0: Hello, movie fans, and welcome to season two of Real Old Reels. This week's Woo! film is, yeah, this week's film is right on theme for the new year. A few ambitious but none too bright models decide they like each like to bag a millionaire. I can't say that one made it on my list of resolutions. However, how about you? Are you a resolutions person, Lisa? <laughs> I
1: typically am, but I, I really enjoy. I really enjoy fresh starts, but this year we have some big changes in our family and just knowing that that is on the horizon makes me a little hesitant to commit to anything huge. So for this year, I think I want to mostly maintain a good attitude and not drop too many balls along the way.
0: Totally. I have to admit, I love writing resolutions, even though I don't make them last. I will sit and I will scribble out lists and lists. Yearly, monthly, weekly. It's just it's just so fun for me. And you know, people criticize the resolution writers because it's silly or pointless or shallow, but man, I do it for the rush and I ride that rush all the way to April.
1: Yeah. And that's about how long I usually last too. And then I take the summer off to make and make some new resolutions in September for the start of school. So I never really have a full year resolution.
0: (laughs) None of us do really, but yeah, so wise. Take a break off summer. That's why summer is so great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As described, this week's film, How to Marry a Millionaire, has quite a cast. It has Lauren Bacall, Betty Grable, and the legendary Marilyn Monroe. What's this movie about, Lisa?
1: So the storyline follows three New York models, like you said, with some of the strangest names I have ever heard. For leading ladies, it's Shotzi Page, Pola Debevoy, I think is how you say it. I don't know. know. (laughs) I'm not sure. And Loco Dempsey. I think it's funny when they introduce Loco, they comment on how weird her name is, but also reveal that it's a nickname. But the other two have really weird, like, actual names. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so these models lease a very expensive apartment so that they can be surrounded by rich men with the goal of marrying a millionaire. Shotzi is the most committed to this plan because she had a phony marriage to this guy that turned out to be kind of a bum who's already married and didn't work after they got married. The next thing you've got to remember is that a gentleman you meet among on the cold cuts is simply not as attractive as one that you meet, say, in the make department at Bird Dogs.
0: But he was cute, don't you think?
1: Sure he was. But then I never met one of those gas pump jockeys that wasn't. Is that what he is? You bet your life he is. I know those guys. I married one once. Very, very cute fellow. So after months of no bites and meeting low-income guys at grocery stores and gas pumping stations, Loco finally runs into a man who's involved in oil and cattle stock. And through association, they all snag a potential mark. So, will they end up marrying for love or for money? You know as well as I do that money isn't everything. Who told you it wasn't? Nobody had to. you ever have any? A little, yes. Well, how do you know it isn't everything? Do you seriously believe that having money automatically brings you happiness? Oh, no, but it doesn't automatically depress me either. Oh, I don't believe you're Shotzi. Look, Tommy, I'm in a jam here, don't you understand? I'm in a very bad financial situation. If those two kids don't come back again, I'm on the hook for a year's rent for that apartment.
0: How to Marry a Millionaire was a hit when it was released, with three already famous beloved starring actresses. So this film isn't strictly a Marilyn Monroe vehicle, because the other two actresses were huge and shared the top billing. Honestly, I think Monroe actually does a bit better when she shares the burden with more accomplished actresses. The movie is visually fun and has some classic 1950s Technicolor isms like unnecessary fashion shows, yeah. a la <laughs> a- singing in the rain, and loud ball gowns. Oh my gosh, Locos ball gown. <laughs> do you remember the pink thing with that the frills at the bottom and then a choker on, it was just like what's yeah. going on what's, <laughs> is it supposed to be funny or is it just out of fashion now I, or maybe it has been fashion I wouldn't know anyway <laughs> and it has somehow self. it's somehow self-deprecating while somehow also touting itself as being a big deal like case in point would be the 70 piece orchestra playing a Gershwin-esque overture for seven whole minutes at the beginning. (laughs) Nobody has time for that, but I watched it entirely, so you don't have to skip that thing unless you like to (laughs) dress up and pretend you're going to the theater in your living room.
1: Yeah, they were probably just giving everyone time to get to the movie theater and find their seats.
0: Yeah, not to knock it though. Really, the reason for the orchestra and repetitive sweeping skyline shots of New York City were because it was the first film shot in Cinemascope, though it was the second one released by Fox. That means it had the wide shot that is ubiquitous today and was a pretty big deal back then. It was like, oh, it's so immersive. It was like going from, well, 3D had already been been invented, but, you know, just like going to like... an IMAX theater or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When it was new, though, the reporters at the time asked the producer and writer, Natalie Johnson, How he'd write for CinemaScope, and his tongue in cheek answer was, I'll put my paper into the typewriter sideways. (laughs) But yeah, anytime they changed something like that, Technicolor, CinemaScope, that meant that the theaters across the nation had to update for the technology in order to play it. So it was, it had to be a big enough deal in order to make it worth their while. Though How to Marry a Millionaire is a cheeky little screwball comedy, the intent of the film is really to be showy. Like show off Cinemascope, show off the still new Technicolor technology, and show off beautiful actresses. The plot was the combination of a couple of different plays that had been successful at the time, snatching points and characters here and there. But overall, it's just meant to be enjoyable and pretty. It's like a musical of the same decade, only without any music.
1: Yeah, and it it definitely delivers. So these classic movies that romanticize New York, they make me understand why people were obsessed with New York City. Yeah. And would literally sing its praises looking at you, Sinatra. Totally. The new <laughs> <laughs> The New York of today just makes me feel cramped and dirty. But the one portrayed in the screen in this movie looks like one I'd actually like to visit. It looks so pretty and just like everything just looks so you know, modern for the Safe. 50s and yeah, spacious, and there's a lot of room on the roads. Glamorous,
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I bet it was a bit more affordable too. Probably. Anyway, <laughs> Johnson, the writer and producer, really hated Maryland, actually, but studios had to come to terms with a commercial trend in the film industry. That people would see movies, often more than once even, with an actor or actress that they liked and were familiar with. And this is different because the original film studio magnates in decades previous were at their hearts theater people and really liked to keep the integrity of the art by picking the best and most talented. But no one could argue that Marilyn sure looked pretty great in Technicolor.
1: Yeah, she looks gorgeous, as does Lauren Bacall and Betty Grable. It's funny because when I watched this movie as a teen, it was my first introduction to Marilyn Monroe, and I had never heard her speak before. So the way she talked drove me absolutely nuts, almost to the point of me not liking the movie at all. But this time around, I was expecting it. I was prepared for it. And I really enjoyed the movie
0: a lot more than I did when I first watched it. Yeah, we're going to actually talk about her way of talking in a minute. Um, So it's funny you bring that up. I think it's important to note that at her peak and time of death, she was indeed famous, but not as set in stone iconic as she is now. Her story has been retold and resold so many times in a variety of interpretations, even like this latest one about her, which I haven't seen, but is kind of like a it's almost like a psycho thriller version on her history or something. Don't necessarily recommend it. Anyway, she seems kind of larger than life to us now, right? I mean, we see her in mm-hmm. pictures everywhere. But in context of this film, she was still simply a struggling actress and she was still she was soon to be a sex symbol, but everyone in Hollywood knew she couldn't act. Enter Natasha Lattes. She was a talented acting coach who emigrated to the United States from Germany when Nazis came into power and she never did more than any small roles herself because she wasn't really bombshell material. So instead, she made a name for herself in making other actresses famous. For Marilyn Monroe, she coached and fed her line by line in every single scene for over seven years. She's also responsible for her characteristic over enunciated, stilted way of speaking and the breathiness and sometimes bizarre. I feel like the other actors are just kind of staring at her like, what's she doing? (laughs) <laughs> i've always thought that before i knew that about her anyway in how to marry a millionaire it worked to her advantage though because it's funny you, like it yeah it's funny in that part and she's just maybe not doing it on purpose though <laughs> in in the movie and her previous film that year gentlemen prefer blondes she often looks a little bit dazed and confused if it had been anyone else besides Marilyn, that actress wouldn't wouldn't have made it. it they would have been canned, and she would have been recast. But Johnson actually saw it as an opportunity and a welcome challenge, and he rewrote her part as dim-witted, insecure, and nearsighted. So the character refuses to wear her character refuses to wear glasses that she desperately needs, and thus endears the audience when she finally finds love with an equally nearsighted man. You've got
1: the most peculiar vision I ever saw.
0: Why do you say that?
1: Because you're reading that book upside down. But I'm no such thing. Not you, the book. Oh. Isn't it silly, though?
0: What is it, astigmatism?
1: No, just blind as a bat. Me too. Oh, really? Then why aren't you wearing glasses?
0: I am wearing glasses. (laughs)
1: it's it's so funny that they wrote nearsightedness into the script because she looks that way all the time and i completely thought that she was just playing the part and that's really genius on the part of not johnson
0: yeah i really worked with what he had (laughs) (laughs) with with three leading ladies all talented in their own right it's easy to assume oh there would be trouble on the set and some drama but the truth was they actually got along great
1: you know who I'd like to marry? Who? Rockefeller. Which one? I don't care. I wouldn't mind marrying a Vanderbilt. Or a Mr. Cadillac. No such person, I checked. Is there a Mr. Texaco? No. But how about one of those rich Maharajas? How about three of them? Wouldn't that be wonderful if we had three of them up for dinner and they all married us? Think of all those diamonds and rubies. And all those crazy elephants.
0: Well, Bacall and Grable were fast friends, at least. They tried to warm up to Monroe, but reportedly, she spent the entire time focused on her lines or her face. But that isn't Mm -hmm. to say she she wasn't hardworking. She was super focused. But, like, real acting requires lots of give and take between the cast and so much in film can't be written in. You can... You can get expressions and reactions and even great lines from natural interaction between skilled, compatible actors. But Marilyn had none of that. Mm. Even rather than look at the director for for instructions or feedback, she'd look fixated on Natasha Lattes for guidance. Like she'd look past the director and look at her, who was not a very generous Instructor and encouraged Marilyn to forget whatever anyone else said or did. Lauren Bacall would actually reflect that it worked for her, though, because of the magic she seemed to have on screen, but it was just awful for the rest of them poor slobs, in her, her words. Imagine, <laughs> imagine Lauren Bacall and Betty Graywell being called slobs. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> they all still liked her, though, because she was just incredibly. Sad and <laughs> and had such a hard life. So um, she just wasn't actress or friend material, though. She wasn't hard to get along with other than that. Yeah. uh, But Betty Grable, she had a warmer regard for Marilyn, though. Betty had to leave shooting suddenly in the middle because her daughter was injured. And that's why they ended up not being the first Cinemascope released film is they like, had to take a big break. Well, and also Marilyn had a huge health issues in the middle as well. But she said yeah. that Marilyn was the only one who called her to check to see how her daughter was. And Grable never forgot that kindness and hum- humanity that she showed her. No,
1: Yeah. I've heard that Marilyn Monroe was really just a very empathetic person.
0: Yeah. Not always maybe in tune with her, her surroundings, not always reading the room quite, but mm-hmm. she, she seemed to always be pretty down to earth. So, Marilyn Monroe, though, almost everyone knows, or at least recognizes, but who were these other two leading ladies? I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of their histories, and we'll delve more into their lives on later episodes, but the two Buddies, uh, Lauren Bacall was Betty to her friends, are very talented and celebrated in their own right. Betty Grable was an actress that reached her height of fame during World War II as a singer-dancer-actress, but especially as being the most widely bought pinup model in the modeling scene and how to marry a millionaire salute her legs because they saw many a battlefield and won the war. (laughs) She took her job as inspiration for the soldiers without a girl back home. Very seriously. She felt like it was her patriotic mission and her legs were even insured. At one point she was the highest paying actress in the U S earning 300000 per year, which is a pretty good income today, but back then was nearly $4 million. Wow. So pretty big. How to Marry a Millionaire is one of her last films, though, and she's about 10 years older than her co-stars. She looks pretty wow, good. Wow, you wouldn't know it. At this point in her career, though... When she started starred in How to Marry a Millionaire, she still had an active contract, but she was kind of winding down and trying to settle into her family life. The rumor mill at the time tried to suggest that she fought Monroe and resented her rising stardom as she was became the latest sex symbol. But Grable was more than gracious in passing the torch. She was like, "I am done. You go for <laughs> it." I think she actually did say, "Go get him" or something like that. <laughs> Did you see
1: this fellow I'm with? I saw him. What's he look like? Very nice for a one-eyed man. Is that all he's got? What do you think he's got that patch on for? I didn't know it was a patch. I thought somebody might have belted him. Honestly, Polo, why can't you keep those cheaters on long enough to see who you're with anyway? No, no, I'm not going to take a chance like that. You know what they say about girls who wear glasses. Maybe somebody shot him in the eye. He sounds just wonderful. I was naturally curious to know what he looked like. Who is he? I don't know that either. But he hasn't mentioned anything under a million dollars yet.
0: Lauren Bacall was a model turned actress that would have a lasting legacy attached to her husband, Humphrey Bogart. Bogie would be crowned the best classic movie actor of all time at some point. And though, or because he was 25 her twenty five years her senior, the Bacall-Bogart romance is a Hollywood legend in of itself. Their love affair and subsequent marriage was captured more in the um in the american imagination than in the facts though i there's nothing like super crazy impressive about their marriage i just think people really enjoyed it he he had the reputation of being of handling heavy violent and sometimes despicable roles and was known for marrying combative and somewhat unhinged women women in real life and Mm -hmm. lauren bacall was young and gorgeous and though she was his match for wit she still had a bit of naivete about her, and it was an unexpected romance for audiences. But they just loved the beauty and the beast storyline, and it they were the it couple. Somehow Bacall had tamed this gruff gangster exterior and melted Humphrey Bogart down into a soft romantic, which is how audiences enjoyed seeing him most. Think the think of the ultra famous spoonmaker maker Casablanca. Mm. Sadly, he would die in his fifties from complications from his excessive drinking. But Bacall would go on to act until her eighties. In this film, How to Marry a Millionaire, though she is married, Bacall and Bogie are are married, and they just had their second baby six months prior.
1: I cannot believe that she had a baby six months before this film, and there's no way that I would ever look that good. So the man's having a baby. (laughs) She looks amazing. One thing that I thought was hilarious—a little hair hilarious Easter egg in this movie was when Bacall jokes about her loving old men in um, How to Marry a Millionaire when declaring her love for her boyfriend JD trying to convince him not to leave. She gives a few examples of old men that she likes like Teddy Roosevelt and others and then says look at that old fellow. What's his name in African Queen? Absolutely crazy about him (laughs) which if you're familiar with old movies Humphrey Bogart starred in African Queen and he was quite a bit older than Bacall. So it's a funny little
0: joke. Yes. Yeah. And people at the time would totally have caught on to that joke and it would have been way funny. Um, another period joke from that movie that I thought I should just explain to people is Marilyn Monroe keeps saying like, oh, you know what they say about girls and glasses. And she says um. men aren't attentive to girls who wear glasses. And she's actually – clubbing the saying on purpose the actual saying is men do not make passes at girls with glasses so it's supposed (laughs) to rhyme and she misses it (laughs) (laughs) like it's supposed to be funny right we don't really have that saying
1: so I think you might miss it yeah I missed it for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) as said earlier this film was a smash hit when it was released and apparently it is yet another film that Nicole Kidman's production company is uh, purchased for a remake someday. So get on that, Nicole.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of classic movies that I'm excited to see a remake of, but this one remade actually doesn't really excite me. I love the 1950s-ness of this movie and the fashion in the sets and the overall like classiness of the time period and it would be tricky to remake it and make it as fun and cute as it was then. I don't yeah. know. Yeah,
0: definitely fair enough because yeah, they kind of sometimes make it trashy or just yeah, yeah. they lose they lose the funness out of, of it. So
1: yeah, she's going to have yeah. to Nicole Kidman's going to have to really work to to make that one as good as the old one.
0: Yeah, just <laughs> good fun silliness. Like, that's what I like. That's what this movie is all about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So after this movie, obviously, there's tons of things that you could watch. You could watch more Marilyn Monroe movies. You could watch more Lauren Bacall movies. But we're going to be watching more of those this year. So watch them or wait until we do our own special episodes on those kinds of films. Thanks again for listening. We have a great month of films ahead. I know we keep saying this is our favorite. This is our favorite. But I, I look ahead and see so many other favorites. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> sure you'll love the selections we have coming up. Though, so feel free, again, to suggest any you'd like to hear more about. Or even just an actor or actress. You're like, hey, who's this person? Or pick a movie that this person did because I really like this actor-actress. Yeah. What's our tease for our next week's film, Lisa? Um, So coming up, we have a little surprise
1: for a famous person's birthday. In fact, there's been quite a bit of attention drawn to this person in the last couple of years with two big movies highlighting his life. So come back next week to see who I'm talking about.
0: Yes, I can't wait. All right. See you next week.
1: Bye. (laughs) Bye.